And welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Good morning, Daniel. How's it going? It actually is, well, it's almost Almost morning. morning. Yeah, we're, we're closer to morning than when you usually do this. That's right. So viewers <laughs> on our live episode, anybody who's joining us today, will see that we're filming in the early afternoon today. That's because I have uh, family coming into town mm -hmm. and I'm going to get bailing. So we're going to rock this episode today. We hope you agree with our opinions. There, there's some, there will be some contention, I'm sure, of oh, as, yeah. as far as this. But we're going to try and knock this out even faster than we do most of our episodes. Exactly. Uh, hopefully, giving you the same amount of content, but in a more condensed period of time. And if you like our speed, then let us know in the comments below. We'll talk about it. Maybe we can push push ourselves a little bit they better. Do it better, time. yeah. Yeah. Either way, with that being said, and how you been lately? I've actually been doing pretty good. How was your Christmas? We're, we're filming this uh, a couple December days after. Sixth, yeah. Yeah, the, the day, day after. after Christmas, yep. Um, it was good, eventful. Uh, we have a big family, very big family. So um, I, I, I have about three or four Christmases about every, around this time of year. <laughs> we still have one more to go. So Yeah, yeah, because uh, well, that's why your family's coming into town. Yep. And then you guys are going to go celebrate the, yep, we're all the extra Christmas, but actually on New Year's. That's right. That's right. How about yours? Uh, it was pretty good. I uh, went and saw my family on Christmas Eve, and then the wife and I just kind of relaxed at home. Uh, yesterday, which was kind of nice. We had our uh, friends uh, get together on uh, the day before Christmas Eve. So the Saturday, Sunday, we were really busy. Yesterday was nice and calm. Smoked a brisket, kind of nice. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Yeah, my, you know, my Christmas Eve was like weirdly uneventful. Like, yeah. I mean, like, well, I spent time with my family um, because my mom, unfortunately, had to work on Christmas Day. Mm. Um, Medical field curse. Uh, that's the one thing yeah. is like, this is the first time in about since we've been married and since before we started dating really that my wife was off for both thanksgiving and christmas yeah yeah what a weird idea yeah. right <laughs> what like you guys didn't even know what to do no no so we were like we're just gonna chill we weren't sure if she was gonna have to fly out early this morning but she didn't have to right. so yeah she's doing an office week this week so it's making it so much easier for us oh i bet like instead we just went shopping. to travel yeah <laughs> and you went to a different state to travel by the way yeah just, for shopping yeah yeah who we're done with traveling. Let's just go to a different state real quick. Yeah. Just, just for a little bit. Well, we hit the, the local store because <laughs> I wanted to pick up some board games. They weren't a great deal, but they were still good enough, whereas yeah. buy one, get one half off. And then yep. she's like, okay. And then so we had to go to the outlet mall that's nearby us, and mm -hmm. she wanted to pick up some shoes and stuff like that. So I was like, okay. The local store that I told you about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who shall not be named? Yeah, shame, they're, shame well, they're not them. sponsoring us, so. Yep, they don't. As they don't I'm drinking... <laughs> Not making that obvious at all. Don't worry, I, I'm counter counteracting that. With right, my, though, yeah, yeah. With my not sponsored drink. Yeah, we just went and picked this up. That was our coffee on the way home. But the one uh, by the outlet mall, mm -hmm. the coffee was so hot, it's just now cooled off enough where I could drink it. And we had to drive all the way back. It was like 20 minutes. That <laughs> sounds lawsuit-inducing. It was ridiculous. No but, kidding. Let's get into this. We're going to mm -hmm. do something a little different today. Normally, we do what we've been playing at the yep. beginning of these. But because it is 2023 and we wanted to talk about what uh, the games that won 2022 and what was in the top eight debate and what could have been in the top eight debate if things changed now. So we're mm -hmm. going to talk about uh, four games. You're going to get two and I'm going to get two. Yep. Uh, Quick little reflection. Yeah. Um, and then what was the actual winner last year and if it would still win with these new and yep. it still would have been in the bracket. The winner would still have been in the bracket. Yep. Um, and if, if it would have still won with all the new games that just got added. Right. So since then, we played a lot more games, especially mm -hmm. from 2022. 2022. And especially, um, like, one of them that we're going to talk about 
came out at the tail end of the year. Yes. It was so hard to find that that it would it would be hard to play for sure around that time. So well, why don't you begin this since yours would have been the highest ranked? Yeah. So this would probably have been our number one seed over. I think our original number one seed was the one that won. Or no, Wonderland Wars was Wonderland the number Wars one seed. Was the original number this one, one would have yeah. dethroned it. Uh, this was a racing game that we just played this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Days of Wonder production, which was it probably would have won one some of the art and production sure. uh, categories a couple times of who it went up against because yep. Heat is a phenomenal game. Uh, production wise and it's still a good game i really did enjoy it with the um uh the card play the deck building esque that we talked about uh last time we talked about heat mm-hmm. the only deck building you're really doing in this one is you're putting bad cards into your deck which yep. kind of burns up your engine a little bit uh, but you're trying to get those out because if you ever run out of those cards in you who were supposed to put in there you spin out and you're out of the race your engine blew so uh, there's different things you do it. I like the fact that you can kind of play it like a campaign style where you're doing uh, different sets of races to get, but you could also just do it one track when you're first playing it. It says, hey, just do it as one lap just where you can get familiar how the game works. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start uh, giving you like advanced settings and stuff like that. So I think it's a wonderful game out of the box. Uh, I think it would put up a fight. It'd probably get to maybe the finals, but for sure the quarterfinals or the semifinals, it would be out of the top four games left. I don't think it would actually end up winning 2022. Probably not. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, Heat was fun. It's disingenuous to call it a deck building game. You you said that yeah. right, right there. And that was the biggest thing is I was enthralled because I was like, ooh, a deck building racing game? That's yeah. going to work really well. And it's not a deck building. No, it's, it's like I said, the only, it. yeah, exactly. It's hand management. The only thing like deck building part of it is you're putting it into your deck to pull yep. later on. Yep. And the thing is, it goes into your discard pile. When your cards are done, you shuffle them up. That That's a kind of deck building as well. Sure. But the only thing is you're trying to get the heat out of your cards um, and then you you want to take that, it's that risk and reward kind of thing. Kind right. of like more push your luck deck building than actual deck building. Absolutely. And uh, first one I wanted to talk about was Flamecraft. This would have been our three, or number three. That yeah, was somewhere around there, yeah. Something like that. Flamecraft, um, kind of a worker placement game S. Yeah. Um, where really all you're doing is enchanting the shops, sending your dragons out, uh, getting, casting spells, getting the resources. It has a really cool... Um, uh, like additional buildup as you do it, as you enchant the shops, they get better from anybody who gets there, gets there yep. until they get all filled up, and then, then in which case you can't deploy more dragons. But the more dragons you do deploy, mm-hmm. on the smaller ones gets you extra abilities. It's super cool how it works. Um, I it's tricky because it, everyone like kind of claims it as like a simple game, and it's and it is it is it is because it's really only two things you do, but how it builds up mm-hmm. really ramps up to like a like a jrpg yeah. level it's a cute game really cute um i kind of wish i got the the lucky duck extra stuff that they just sent out sure yeah. for the more upgraded bits and stuff like that because it makes it look even better mm-hmm. uh but yeah out of the box just a uh, store copy is really well done too yeah exactly they didn't they didn't waste time on that they, yeah but they only included the stuff that you needed yeah it would have been cool um i think it would have been pretty high i don't think it would have unseated yeah, topic. yeah, I don't think it would have... It would have given a chance. It might have got sure. to, like, the semifinals or something yeah. like that, depending oh. on what it went up against. Yeah. Uh, we didn't reseed everything. We were just trying to find out which ones would have come in rather than 
uh, what would have stayed and stuff like that. Right. Like, we noticed, like, a lot of stuff moved. Uh, our actual winner would have been, like, our sixth seed or something like that. We right. were like, wow, really? Yeah. So that surprised us. Uh, the next game I'm going to talk about is a... Number two. So my number two, yeah. And uh, this, yeah, would have been our number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this was... Surprised me a little bit. Uh, I remember when we saw it at Gamma that year. I was like, that's going to be an interesting game. We need to try that one out. It's another racing game in a sense, but it's more horse racing rather than car, car racing. This one is Long Shot, uh, the dice game. Yeah. Uh, it is... It was a fun game. I do enjoy it because you're. Uh, I don't have it in here. It's in the other room. I, I just say, you it, just got one. I just too. picked it up. Yeah, it's in the other room. I gotta take it apart and put it together and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just picked it up um, because I enjoyed it that much when we played it. It's kind of like a roll and write kind of aspect because mm-hmm. you're writing on your sure. cards. You're trying to get rewards. Uh, you're taking the the two dice or one dice, but you're also trying to get the horses to go properly because you're yeah. trying to bet on this horse to do this and that. Uh, I think the big part of what happened with this one is it came out around the same time that Ready, Set, Bet came out, and that was like everybody's go-to horse racing game. Yes, it was. (laughs) I love both these games. They do a really good job. Uh, I know it's a kind of a reworking of an already uh, big horse racing game called Longshot. They just distilled it into almost like a roll-and-write style Mm -hmm. game. It's fun. Uh, I think it would have done okay and maybe would have pushed. I don't know if it would have got out of the quarterfinals against some of the other games, that, like the bigger heavy hitters, sure. hitters in there. If it went up against like something like maybe Wonderland Wars, then maybe because it is a much more right. fun game than something like that. Absolutely. But, yeah, it, it, it was fun. But, again, I don't think it's going to unseat who was our eventual champion. Yep. And then, finally, the last one we wanted to show that would that would have been on the rankings had we debated them last year would be Cat in the Box. Um, a suitless trick-taking game where the suits are declared when the card is played. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an absolutely fascinating system. It, it does something very unique in the fact that there is no suits. Because technically you're just playing out a pretty standard trick-taking with, some, think, with some exceptions. If I remember correctly, I think this was, it would be like our five or six seed. It would be number like five or six, yeah. And, and the way it works is pretty simple. It's just on your turn, you play one of the cards, and you declare what suit it is. If for some reason you cannot follow in suit from whoever the lead player was, mm-hmm. then at that point, you remove your token from that suit, and you can never claim that suit again. Because obviously, if you would have had that color card in your hand, you would have played it. And that's why you can't anymore. What makes this really interesting is that you're playing the cards on, on this board, showing what suit has been played in each color, and there's five cards of each number. But there's only four different colors of suits, which means that there can be paradoxes made. If you're yeah. forced to play something that no longer exists... Which ends the round. Which ends the round immediately, mm-hmm. and you're penalized with it. Absolutely fascinating. If you like trick-taking and you and you don't like the standard idea of it, uh, this, this is an extra little bonus. And also another thing that makes it really cool is the fact that um, you do bid your tricks. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that... There's like, no negative to it. Yeah, there's no it's negative It's a reward if you meet that. your bid. Right, exactly. So if you make your bid, then at that point, you score points based on how you grouped your cards. Like how mm-hmm. close they were yeah, numerically. Together. And suited. Your highest grouping will give you additional points. So if you've got a group of four, that's going to give you four additional points. You're still always going to get a point per trip per that trip. you take. Yeah. So, Which is a great solution. Yeah. So... I, I mean, this, again, would have put up probably a good fight. Yeah, because, again, we're also big fans of trick-taking in general. Mm-hmm. But this is actually one of the games that broke your brain last year. <laughs> it, it was <laughs> intense. Like, it was fascinating, you know. Yeah. Um, 
It just did, yeah. What it did differently, uh, it was a fun trick, but then all, I think three out of the four of us owned it. Yeah. And and I was like, I don't need to own it because you guys are the only ones I'm playing this it. with. Yeah. So no, no, I, I ended up getting yeah. rid of my copy just yeah. because of that. Uh, in fact, I have this one, and I'm probably going to get rid of my copy fact, when I, I get I bought, the bigger one. I bought my copy exactly one year ago today. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was on the, it was on the sale. The, the sale, yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly one year ago today, I bought my copy. Yeah, so uh, I'll probably get rid of my copy when I have it. Sure. I, I may keep it just because it's much easier to transport that smaller yeah. one because I, I got the Colossal Cat in the box. So yeah. just because I, a trick taking with tarot sized cards would just be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they're not super common, are they? Alrighty, so with that being said, we are as he dropped the coin of doom. Oh man, I haven't even done the 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 stickers of doom. So yeah, why don't so you explain what's going on while I do the stickers? That's right. We're gonna be talking about the top eight debate today. This is the 2023 edition. We're gonna break down the top eight games highest ranked on boardgamegeek.com based on the year 2023. If you're not sure how to do that, you do an advanced search. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Um, from a range of 2023 to 2023. These eight games are the highest ones that Daniel and I have both played. Mm -hmm. That way we can give a fair argument for each of them. And uh, we are going to debate them, breaking down to five different categories. The first category that we might be debating based on is ease of play. How simple and familiar the mechanisms are, the likelihood to get it to the table, whether that's mechanism or theme, and how easy is it for you to learn the game, understand it, and or teach it. Mm -hmm. With that being said, also, I'll go ahead and take care of yeah, that. Yeah, take care of uh, Replay value is our second criteria. The length of time, how well it scales, depending on the player count. Minimum numbers of, number of plays for the bare-bones experience to understand everything that the game has to offer. And expandability, already existing expansions or up to one future uh, expansion that has been confirmed by the designer or publisher. This will probably be pretty slim pickings just because of the fact that these They're are all brand new, new games. Yeah. Um, meaningful choice is our third category, impact on other players, depth of strategy, tactics, or skills, and do the arbitrary choices impact your gameplay? That really is a knock to it if AP is a problem. Next up, game immersion. Is the game fun to lose? Player interaction, whether it's table talk, role playing based on the theme, and memorable stand-up moments. So we'd love to see people stand up and shout about it. Then we have art and production is our final category. The art, pieces and components, and most of all, the graphic design. Is it okay for colorblind friendly people? Is it is the text really hard to read? Are there multiple rules? Is it condensed? Uh, or do they just handle the whole production really well? And when all said and done, if Daniel and I cannot come up with a, an agreement on these, because there will be times where despite our breaking it down and having to call a draw, we have a tiebreaker, and that is you, the fans. We mm -hmm. post this list on the Board Game Revolution forum on on Facebook. Well, not the forum, the group on Facebook, and we always put a poll up. So be sure to check them out and check out our uh, poll so you can vote on your favorites. Also, if you're joining us live, you can vote on your favorites here as well. Yep. All right. Thank you for taking care of that because, mind you, we're rushing through this. That's right. So. With that being said, we're also going to be talking about our honorable mentions. We're yeah. going to go really quick just to make sure. Daniel, what's your first honorable mention? Uh, my first honorable mention is the the Fox Experiment. It's a new game by Elizabeth Hardgrave. It was mm -hmm. kickstarted last year. And it's funny because uh, I told my wife about this game. And she told me to go ahead and kickstart it because she was like, okay, this is interesting. It's about breeding foxes. Uh, back then, it was a little bit different what it was supposed to do. This one's more about, like, for the friendliness and making them pets. 
that was part of the experiment, but not all the experiment. Mm -hmm. But this one is, you're just getting grouping of dice. You're trying to be the most successful breeder, trying to really or get better traits in each one of these because more traits that you get, more dice that you get to roll. Sure. Um, and then you're just going through five generations of it. Uh, and your whole choice is you're during the first round is basically you're going to pick up a, a male, a female, or a token that gives you like a special reward, which is going to be your turn order for the next round. So those are your three choices. Once all that's done, everything else is in simultaneous play. You're rolling your dice. You're, you're, you're accruing your dice based on the dice that you get to roll uh, based on your parents. And then you make uh, you make baby pups, uh, fox kits, or whatever they're called, and then you're rolling the dice, you're marking the traits on there, you're trying to reward on your board, and the whole point of this is just to get the most points at the end of the game by being the most successful breeder. It is good. I really do enjoy it. Um, honestly, it just kind of missed the top eight debate because 2023 just had some really good games this year. But yeah, no, I find it phenomenal. You should go check it out. The the, the basic game the that you can buy in stores is still really well done. The Kickstarter exclusive is one I have, but I didn't even get the five or six player expansion. This is one of the few games I would play if there was a five or six player expansion because only the first round, uh, basically the um, picking everything is in turn order. Everything else is simul the second, third round and cleanup is simultaneous play. Cool. So really well done. Awesome. First one I wanted to talk about was a game from Funko Games called Indiana Jones, The Sands of Time. Oh, that's a good this one. one I got excited about when I heard about it. And keep in mind, I am not an Indiana Jones fan. I was excited oh, yeah. about how the what how they describe it, and the core premise of it is real simple. It's a cooperative game. You're trying to fight against the the three main bad guys mm -hmm. on uh, throughout the movie. However, the there is a totem in the middle, which is a sand timer that's mm -hmm. connected to a pivot. On on the end of each of those pivots, there is a little basket where you're adding gems to. At some point, you'll be adding gems throughout the course of the gameplay, doing different actions, kind of worker placement style, um, and rolling dice to show how many gems or what size of gems you add to the basket. At some point throughout that round, that basket's going to tip the timer over, <laughs> and immediately it's a real-time game, game yeah. for the round, where you are playing the cards as fast as you can in turn order, trying to dump them all, trying to cause enough damage to the bad guy mm -hmm. before the round ends. Now, the first two rounds, um, they get exponential or a little bit harder, not exponentially, a little bit harder, thank goodness. Um, Except for the third for round, the, the big bad is really yeah, hard. The third, the third one is really bad. Um, it's really difficult to beat it. But the first two, you're not penalized. If, oh, you are penalized if, if you, you don't draw. defeat it. But you don't lose. You don't lose, yeah. Like, you could just simply save up for the last round if you needed to, but then it would be that much, that much harder, harder yep. for each additional time. I like how the boards, you have two different sides of the boards. There's an A and a B side, so each of those spots work really well. Mm -hmm. You have special character abilities yep. based on the character you're playing as. And a new tile gets added each of the rounds, so that way it changes it up. And especially when you're playing on A's and B sides in a mixture of the two, Yeah, it, there's tons of replayability. I like this game a lot. I mean, yeah, it's based off an IP, and if you don't like the replay or the um the type the of real time play yeah. yeah you're not gonna like that aspect of it but i can tell you i like both real time and strategy <clears throat> and when that timer flips the that's when everything gets it, so exciting yeah. i i did i did enjoy this one a lot in fact if it made it into the top eight debate i think it would go far because it would go uh, far. absolutely the reason why i i say this is because 
Funko was cooling off on me for a little bit. Then we played this one. It was like, oh, I brought him back up. And, like, some of the stuff yep. that they, they've been releasing lately is getting really good. Like, Rear Window was really good. Yep. Uh, I haven't played that one, but you, you it looks really good. But, right. like, uh, when you play, like, the Goofy movie and stuff like that, and then you go to yeah, this Goofy one. okay. Yeah, right? but then you go to this one. It's like, okay, now Funko's hitting their stride again. If you stick to just simply the Funko games that are made for gamers, like the, the gamer yeah. strategy ones, those tend to be above board. Yeah. All right. So my next honorable mention here is a little quick card game. Also kind of simultaneous play. Uh, I only play this two players. I do want to play with a bigger crowd. Uh, and this one is After Us. Um, mm. It's a nice little card game where you're just playing cards out in a row. And then once you draw your four cards, and it's kind of deck builder S too. So you're drawing off a deck. You put playing four cards. And you're trying to set them up in a certain way. This way they fire off right because you're getting your resources which means you're trying to get better cards into your deck later on for the next round. And it's a race to, I think it's like 80 points, so you're just going to play like several different rounds with your deck building aspect of it, mm -hmm. trying to fire off your resources to get better cards to get up to the 80-point threshold, because the first one that does it wins the game immediately. Uh, you can play out the rest of the, the round in that case. So like if I did it, like say, in my card setup, because your cards will give you victory points as well, then we still have to do, like, the other round where we're collecting cards and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. if other players can get to the 80 threshold, whoever's the furthest along would win the game then. But it would be the in-game triggers once someone hits that point threshold. And then you have to play it out and see who's going to get the most points. But it's it's phenomenal. I love the artwork on it. Vincent Dutre art is really good. I know some people are kind of like, eh, on it. I, I really did enjoy it. I think it's a, a, a easy, breezy game. It's nice to play. Uh, it's very simple. You're just you're just going in a row. You play your cards in a row, however you want to set it up. Boom, 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 boom. Get new monkeys in, or apes in, and then do it all over again the next round. So. Cool. All right, my second one is another Funko cooperative game that came out last year. <laughs> this is the bigger one. This is D Walt Disney Animated. Oh, um, man. Yeah. This just bumped off our list, too, and I was sad about that because yeah, this yeah. one was really good. This really shouldn't have bumped off. I would have argued this very hard because, I mean, it, it's really smart how it works. You have a great action selection. You choose one of the actions and for whatever hierarchy it's yeah, at. There's a little sliding How table. big you get to do. Yep. And then you do the action based on how good it is. Then you slide it to the bottom of the list, thus bumping up everything that was below it. So it's um, basically a co-op Arc Nova mechanism that right. everybody's familiar with where you, instead of... Just for me, it's for the group. So, yes. like, if I'm pulling a five, it goes to a one. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was so good. Yeah, and it works really well. Yeah. And so the premise of this movie is simple. It's, well, movie. simple. Movie, uh, really? Movie, yeah. Well, I mean, kind <laughs> of. You're basically making the you movie. You are animators animating up to five of the different movies. Um, they have a box for each one, and mm -hmm. I hope they make expansions. Oh, oh my God, goodness. that would be so good. Please make expansions. Yes. First. But there's five different boxes in it, and you choose uh, one per player, and... Uh, it's everything from like well, uh, Fantasia to Aladdin to whatever. Yeah, and right? it's, it's a good mix too. So it's yeah. like you have like the really originals, like I think mm -hmm. Snow White and stuff like that. And then yep. you have Alice in Wonderland, uh, Aladdin. Yes. So like all generations of Disney movies. Right. And the way it works is simple. You're just trying to animate your films. But the villains from those movies don't want you to animate them because they know they lose in the end. Mm -hmm. So what they are doing is that the villains from the movie are actively preventing you <laughs> yeah. from animating the film, which is weird, but absolutely awesome at the same time because you're building out the picture frames using polyomino. And every every player has their own animated movie. Yes. So when you're playing, like say I'm playing Aladdin, 
Jafar is in there. If someone's yes. playing Snow White, Maleficent is one of the bad yes. guys. They're all working together to try to screw you right, over. Right, exactly. And it's cool because at, once you build the backgrounds, then you put a uh, clear plastic card with the characters over it, and that's the overlay. And each of those characters will give you abilities based on how they work. And everyone has like a special action that they're working. And the fact that it's all cooperative and you have like different uh, constraints that you have to complete each time, like you have to do a like a level two action, or you have to do, apply certain paints to this character to prevent them, or some you just have to deal with and they'll trigger the villain anyway. Yeah, It's really cool how it works. Basically, you just have a certain amount of time, I think 15 rounds, before uh, you have to have all the movies animated, otherwise the villains win. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant game. Oh, I love that game. In fact, it's probably my favorite Funko game I played last year. It 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 is my favorite that I played last year. Yeah, though I, I it's up there on like my favorite Funko games too. But yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite favorite just yet. I it might not be favorite Prospero Hall. Oh yeah, I favorite know how Prospero. much you like uh, horrified. horrified yeah, yeah, it's 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 up there. All right, so for my last game here, I'm going to talk about is a reprint and a re-theming of a classic Paulo Mori game. Uh, we just mm, recently played yes. this one. I just played it again with uh, my wife and my other game group. And this is Archaeo Society. Uh, I get why some people like the original one better. I, I prefer this one. I like going up the track system better. Mm -hmm. And again, I've only played the basic. I want to see how like the advanced boards work and stuff like that because they all have to do their own little different thing. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Uh, and then all the different cards have their own little thing. Uh, but yeah, no, this one was really cool. I, I do like the fact that you only play one type of card or one color of card, and then whoever's your lead expedition can give you a little bit of reward or um, will allow you to... You're going to move up on the expedition track. You can only move up one spot. So it kind of behooves you. Do I want to you know spin three cards because the cards that are left in my hand are going to go back into for everybody mm -hmm. else to pull from? Or do I... But then I'm going to get points for my big, or for my set, so if I'm going to play a three set of cards, yeah, I'm going to lose the cards that are in my hand, but now I'm getting like five points at the end of the mm -hmm. round. You're playing through three rounds. I, I really liked how this one worked. I, I preferred the graphic design on this one a lot better. The art mm -hmm. was better in the original Archaeo Society. I will readily admit that. But the graphic design, making it so much easier to see the different colors in here and figure out who is who. And in all honesty, this one plays a lot better for like my game group or my other game mm -hmm. group because they're not big fans of area control. And so this one is you're still getting points no matter where you're at on the track. So yeah. I like that aspect of it better too. It's just you're forcing yourself to go up on tracks. You're going to get your points that way. Uh, but yeah. Uh, if you cannot find Ethnos, then pick up Archaeo Society. You're gonna you're gonna still enjoy it. I think it's good. My wife found it okay. She she still gave it a fair rating. She says it's like a six six point five for her. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's still something. It's a nice little easy breezy game once you know how to play it. So I liked it a lot. Archaeo Society. And the last one I wanted to talk about is a two player cooperative dice game. Came out this year called Sky Team. It came out actually fairly recently, a few months ago. But this has been the tops of like everybody's two player list. Really simple game. Uh, you and you and your uh, fellow player are the pilot and co-pilot trying to land the plane together. Um, you start off pretty simple. You just have to clear clear the pathway from there by um, putting dice on basically your control panel, radioing the tower, moving the planes out of the way, uh, putting your wheels down, putting the flaps down, getting the brakes ready, all while keeping level and balanced and landing the plane. Um, by itself, and it's all um, hidden. It's like all hidden, like not hidden, but like uh, limited communication, right? Right, in an extent, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's each round goes over two different parts. 
Um, one part is you're kind of planning, deciding what you want to do for the round. And then once the dice are rolled, then there's no more talking from them because then you're just acting at that point. Um, I was talking with a, a, a fellow gamer earlier today and he and we made a comparison or I made a comparison for him that I thought was pretty apt. It's like, yes, you don't communicate, but because of the plan that you put beforehand, it's like playing a trick-taking game. By me playing a certain card communicates a lot of information mm-hmm. without me having to say a word. Yeah. Um, so placing a certain dice on a certain spot... If I'm like, okay, well, I had originally planned to put my highest value die on this balance part and you adapt to it. If I put my four on there, then that tells you immediately a lot of information on what I can and can't do throughout the rest of the board. Yeah. And that little breakdown is awesome. But then on top of that, when we played at Gamba, uh, me and our mutual friend Dom, mm-hmm. we, we both liked it. We looked at each other like, okay, yeah, we could see playing it again. And then the guy told us like, oh, by the way, there's more than 10 different like modules and ways to adapt to it nice. like, like different airports like some have a shorter runway some have like a different braking system some you have to deal with wind, uh, wind speeds other parts you have to deal with like weather conditions like storms um sometimes you're losing fuel during it it's crazy on the different uh variations crazy high replay value i was really impressed by it that's sky team all right, so before we get going, we're going to talk about uh, the honorable mentions from our audience here. The first one is Voidfall. Uh, looks yep. interesting. Haven't played it, of course. Yep. <laughs> That's why it's not on the list. Yeah, and this Life was by the... Costas. And John put Life of the Amazonia. I've been looking at that one. I do want to try that one. Matt added Revive. And Steven added Nucleum. That's another one I've been looking at. Yeah. Now, we posted this pretty pretty soon before this. That's already got um, more votes than our last one. <laughs> yeah, it has more votes than our last one. But we'll double check it. We'll refresh it right we'll again if there's it, yeah. any other um, add-ons. But with that being said, let's get into this debate. We have, again, the top eight highest-ranked games on BoardGameGeek that Daniel and I have both played. Mm-hmm. The top one, our number one seed, is Earth. And it's going to be going up against our eight seed, Tiny Epic Vikings. Number two seed, Star Wars, the deck-building game. Versus our number seven seed, Astronite, another deck-building game. That's true. Number three, Apiary. Going up against our number six seed, Unmatch, A Tales to Amaze. And our number four seed, World Wonders. Going up against our number five seed, Disney Lorcana. <laughs> Just so happened to be that. <laughs> All right. So, as always, each round or each debate, we will flip the coin of doom. You'll pull from the cup of doom. Let's see where we begin. That's me. And I get Earth. Okay. Oh, it's good because I barely remember Tiny Epic Vikings. So <laughs> Earth is probably one of the hardest games to beat in this the whole thing. Uh, it's just it's really well done. Uh, we talked about it before. Um, I said uh, earlier this is how I want engine building to be for people like. Because you compare like stuff like Terraforming Mars and Wingspan, and those are highly complicated games when it comes to engine building. You don't really want to put new players into that one. I could do it with Earth because you're always concentrating on what everybody else is doing. In this one, you're basically put either putting cards out. You're choosing an action, one of four actions. You get to do a more powerful of that action. And everybody else gets to do like a follow mechanism, and they can trigger, and sometimes they'll have choices... Uh, that you could do this or you can gain this. Uh, the first one is you get to plant one of your cards uh, and you're doing it in a 4x4 four four grid or is it a 4x5? 4x4. 4x4, yeah. 16 cards. 16 yeah. cards. You're basically playing out 16 cards and, and then they're all going to trigger in different ways. You're going to go from left to right, top to bottom to trigger them. 
and it just depends on whoever action it was. So if I'm planting, all the brown cards are going to trigger, and it's basically simultaneous play to a certain extent, except for like when it comes to the drawing of the cards off the top of the deck, it's supposed to be like who's the first player then in turn order to do that. But you're just going to trigger your cards, you're going to grab your resources, and it's going to fire different things. And you're basically just trying to score the most points and be the most biodiverse island, I guess you could say. There's a group scoring in the very uh, on the player board where it's got like, hey, I can do this but based on the fauna. So I, since I met this trigger, I can be the first one on there, and I'll put that there, and that's going to give me 15 points. But it's not going to block me uh, other people from there. They can go there too. They're just going to get less points. Uh, and it's just about playing efficiency. Right? So this is, for me, one of the best engine buildings out there uh, that I've ever played. And this is coming from someone who loves Wingspan, loves Terraforming Mars, loves Gizmos. Gizmos is a great game, and it's probably how I would introduce engine building to people. But uh, this would be up there, too. Uh, this would probably be, like, the next step level. Okay, you familiar how Gizmos fires everything off? Let's move on to Earth. I think you're going to like this more, and I use this to teach something for like Terraforming Mars or Wingspan, that next, next level, where it's a little bit more complicated than what Earth is doing. And it's a really, really good game from Inside Up Games. I think they knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, they did. Um, I'm going to be arguing for Tiny Epic Vikings, which if you've played uh, games like Blood Rage and stuff, Viking-themed closed drafting mm -hmm, games, yeah. then you, you already know... Some of the ideas, and if you know anything about uh, Viking lore, again, you know what this is going to be about. You're basically conquering islands, sailing, uh, building boats, sailing around, uh, building different ways, and getting different types of uh, Vikings for your crew. Um, this is a closed drafting game where you have a hand of cards. You're going to pick one, you're going to pass the rest, then you're going to pick again and continue passing until they've all been chosen. And when you have those done, then you will be uh, using those Vikings uh, as their different uh, ability types, um, as their runes that are on it as well, which have, gets you extra bonuses mm -hmm. based on how you trigger everything. Um, and yeah, the most victory points at the end wins by conquering the area. Now, uh, like all of the other Tiny Epic games, this comes in a tiny box, mm -hmm. but it's a big standing game. I did actually quite enjoy this one, but I am not personally a fan of closed drafting all that much. I've kind of uh, specified that before. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of boring to me. And this one didn't yep. do too much new than Blood Rage did, except it's in a su substantially smaller, smaller box, box and it plays yeah. a lot quicker. So I, if you're looking for a good option to Blood Rage, yep. then Tiny Epic Vikings is actually a great little filler to, yeah, put, I don't to put in that. that. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, it, I mean, it, it's got nothing on Earth. So yeah. Earth moves on. Earth was like, I, I remember you... You and our mutual friend Dom coming back from Gamma, yep. and you're like, dude, yeah, Earth. Earth. And I'm like, good thing I already have it pre-ordered. So yep. No, I mean, the, the hype is real on that one. It was really good. All right, uh, our next round, we'll be going to Star Wars Deck Builder versus Astronites. Uh, Co-op Deck Builder versus a two-player Deck Builder. It's yep. kind of interesting. Two-player versus. Uh, Coin of Doom? Ah, yes. I should remember that. Here we go. Oh, to you, and you get Star Wars Deck Builder. Awesome. So Star Wars Deck Builder, this was a very big surprise for me at the Gamma Trade Show when I played it this year, and that's because I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I appreciate it. I like it just fine. Plus, um, it was so generic. Too. It is Star Wars, generic. the yes. deck building game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's multiple games from this publisher, and there's multiple deck building games. Why mm. is this any different? And at yeah. first glance, it looks like a complete Star Realms ripoff. It's not. Well, I mean, it plays... 
similar in the deck building aspect yeah. and how the card line works. But that's where the similarities stop. And what makes it cool is that you really are the light side or the dark side uh, battling against each other. You have certain planets uh, or bases that you're going to be fighting over. Mm-hmm. Once one is destroyed, then you get to pick your replacement. That's one of the first twists that you haven't seen in most other deck building games. Yeah. Each of those planets that you have at the beginning of the game give you a very specific ability. And so when mine is destroyed, I can look at your deck and go, hmm, what did you do that caused this to happen? And find the planet that best counters that. Yep. That's already brilliant. I love that part. Then secondly, the next one is pretty simple, that it's you're using... Or, yeah, every card can pretty much be used by either side. Um, but some are specific, like uh, Princess Leia isn't going to come to the dark side, right? Yeah. It's not going to happen. So if her card comes up, that's fine. Uh, it's only available to the light side player. But there's a little thing on the bottom of the card that mm-hmm. faces the opposite direction. So that player can be like, oh, okay. Well, if I destroy this card instead, I'm going to gain this benefit. Yeah, so like if you have attack points and you cannot attack uh, right. uh, like the base or something like that. Sure but you have enough attack power to kill Princess Leia, you're still going to get a reward off of it. Exactly. And, of course, you have cards that come out and stay in front of everybody um, that work and let you have a continuous benefit mm-hmm. until they're destroyed. But then, finally, you have a uh, uh, your, the Force Meter, where it goes either whoever controls the Force. Mm-hmm. And at first, you're like, okay, obviously, right? No, actually, the way these two sides work are very different. Different, yep. This is the third thing that makes it totally different than other deck builders, is that... In stuff like Star Realms or other deck builders that are similar to Ascension, we are basically the same character starting yeah. off. No, we're just not. warring factions. That's all. Yeah, the dark side in this game is definitely all about beat down, punching as hard as it can, mm-hmm. bigger and bigger hits every single turn. Whereas the the light side is all about gaining control, manipulating the opponent, basically freezing them building up. Building their actual yeah. deck. And building their actual deck and controlling them in a way mm-hmm. to prevent them from doing that in time. Because all the light scards feed off each other where the dark side is just all about power, power, power. Yes, exactly. So it's obviously the dark side would be better for new players. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just that's the first deck builder I've played. That's two-player head-to-head. That feels different on yeah, either side. Yeah, asymmetrical. It really does. Yeah, and it, it does is a great job on that. So, Star Wars deck builder honestly has my vote to move on, but let's hear Astronauts. So, we're talking about deck building. Uh, Star Wars deck builder, two-player game only. Uh, you can play it four players. It's just you have to buy a second set, and honestly, it's not built for nope, stuff like that. For it. Uh Whereas Astronauts, and when he's talking about like the asymmetry of um, Star Wars The Deck Builder, where every side feels different, Astronauts kind of forces you to play your character as well. When you're playing your character, you ha- you're you like, you know what, I'm going to be a support character. You're all about uh, uh, hitting the boss, the fight the monster. It's a, it's a co-op deck building, which is kind of cool. You don't see that too, too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantasy Realm actually... Uh, put a co-op design onto theirs for um, going from a whole head-to-head, going against each other, but now you have big bads that you're building, deck building go, uh, for a campaign style. Astronauts that is doing that now, too, with the co-op. And it also gives you like that role-playing aspect when we're talking about the game immersion side of things. Okay, I got to build my deck for my character to work properly here. Mm-hmm. You were all about helping others, and you're like, okay, I'm going to spend all my money, and I'm going to give you this car because of my special ability. Because mm-hmm. my character can hold all the weapons, and at the very start of your turn, I'm taking pot shots at uh, the bad guy. 
So I'm putting up boom, 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 hit my weapon using my special ability. This way I don't have to discard the weapons I just used. So I can keep two of them in front of me and then put the other two on the, onto the side. Or I can take as many shots as I can with him because so the other two stay there. And then at the start of my next turn, I have more weapons out there. Now I hit him with four weapons because I can. I just used my power. So I kept two out there and now I got two more out there. It really makes you be your character and play your character. Yep. And again, there's a lot of modules on this one. We basically just play the basic game. The bad guy does stuff. There's initiative tracks to see how the bad guy plays. If you've ever played Aeon's Inn, apparently this is as close as possible to Aeon's Inn. My little thing that I really liked about this is that you're trying to set up your discard pile mm -hmm. in a certain way. It's like, hey, you can put this in your discard pile, and then when you're done, take out where's left and put it in whatever order you want to, because you're not going to shuffle your discard pile. When you need to shuffle your discard pile, you just flip it over. And so what was at the bottom of the discard pile is now the top of your deck. Right. And I love that little twist to deck building aspect. The only shuffling you do is the initiative track in that entire game. Which is ironic. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Normally it, in a system that uses mm -hmm. a defined turn order, mm -hmm. this has a random turn order for a deck builder where you don't shuffle the deck. deck yeah, so I, I do enjoy everything that Astro Knight does. It's phenomenal, great card stock, it's fun, it gives you a lot just in the base box by itself. Mm -hmm. But my biggest surprise this year was uh, Star Wars, the deck building game, and it's just because of the fact it sounded like the most generic game out there. You're thinking, okay, it's just going to be... Plain old deck builder, kind of a la Star Realms, Fantasy yep. Realms, like Ascension, head to head right. fighting kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, this did so much different. Uh, so you do really feel like you're playing the light or the dark side. So I think for my vote is Star Wars the deck builder as well. I couldn't agree more. Star Wars the deck building game moves on. Next we have Apiary versus Unmatched Tales to Amaze. And I'll be starting us off. All right, and you will be getting Apiary. All right, Apiary is the newest game from Stonemeyer Games. It is a worker placement. Very uh, many years in the future, like many of these games, after humanity <laughs> has ultimately destroyed itself, and a new creature has come to rise to take over the world. Uh, this is bumblebees in space. <laughs> it's a weird theme. It is a weird. It's theme. a fun theme, though. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I told this premise to our mutual friend Jim, and yeah. he, he got really excited about it. He was like, that's a really cool theme. I like that. And and I love that they're not doing the same old thing, and the fact that they're hexagonal tiles yeah. makes sense, you know? Cause yeah, because a, a honeycomb. The honeycomb, yeah. I mean, like, it's little nods to that is pretty funny. And um, I, I, I think this does a good job of uh, using that worker placement. It's, it's a pretty standard worker placement as far as it goes. However... Your dice are essentially aging. Um, your dice are these bumblebee tokens mm -hmm. that have four sides to them, mm -hmm. and as as you're um, putting them out, they stay in your spot. And when you retrieve them, then you can activate them and and create income. Um, however, if I go to a spot that you really want, you could go to that spot and bump me back. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, I get to choose to either age it or keep it aside for when I age it later. So that way I can kind of hold on to it a little bit, maybe keep it a little bit longer, because the values on these, the uh, numbers one through four, really decide on how good the action can be. And if they are a number four, you get an extra bonus little action mm -hmm. for each of these worker placement spots. So everything can be as simple as like moving like the mothership to um, getting some upgraded cards, to playing some cards. Some will let you get additional bumblebees as, as workers, as level ones. 
Some will let you get uh, buildings to kind of fill out your space mat. Mm -hmm. um, and some get will let more you do conversions. Yep. Some will be like end game goals, end game triggers. And there's a whole bunch going on. Again, it doesn't do anything revolutionary, mm -hmm. but the art and production with a pretty unique theme to it um, really kind of comes out in a really cool way. Yeah. I did like this one um, quite a bit. Yeah. It is not my favorite by far. Any of, like probably It's probably top five, maybe, for Stonemaier games. Yeah, but... it, it really moved up on my uh, Stonemaier uh, games out of all the yeah. ones I played, which was most of them. I think there's two on my Shuffle Shame right now. So. Right, yeah, there's, there's enough. But no, I mean, I didn't, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, will I need to own it? Probably not. But it did do something that I hadn't yet seen as far as the aging dice. But then again, I have seen it. So, like, yeah. I don't know. It's not, like, super revolutionary. I'd be curious to see. I, I already know which one you're aiming for. But let's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, let's see what the argument. All right. So the next game here on our list is tales to amaze which is the co-op unmatched uh which i thoroughly loved uh, there's two games on this list that i scored as a 10 because I, yeah, I just which you're already a huge fan of oh unmatched. yeah i was already a big fan of unmatched i love the head-to-head -head, and then making mm -hmm. it a co-op game without really changing the core mechanics <laughs> of the game you're you're playing your cards you're moving you're trying to punch things and you know doing all that stuff and what i really loved about this one is like yeah it's co-op Here's all the expansions you want for it because you can use any of the characters yep. from the past expansions into this game. Um, but yeah, it really, really was a fun, fun system. I already love the system and the head-to-head -head fighting, the toe, uh, figuring it out. And you're trying to work with other people and puzzle it out based on your characters that are using. And then the four characters that just come in this box are really well done. I, I like how they work, how unique they are. Jill Trent using gadgets. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I did. Uh, her last name is Christmas. I can't remember. Uh, Annie Christmas, I think, is her name. Yeah. How she's like really good about just hitting you hard, and then playing, doing a little bit of gambling and stuff like that. Right. Uh, you play Tesla, so you're using your Tesla coils and stuff like that. It gives you a little cool aspect. Build up some energy. Build yeah. up energy that will help you. Our mutual friend uh, played Golden Bat, who is like just a very powerful character. Mm -hmm. um, so out of the box, those are really cool. The monsters are really neat. I haven't played the Mothman yet, but playing the alien and the campy feel of it and you're putting out the little alien tokens out mm -hmm. there was really, really neat and how it works. I do enjoy this game a lot. Uh, you get into how your your deck is being played. You do get into that game immersion. There is some smart ways you got to do this meaningful choice because we're working as a team. Be like, well, I could do this really good, but I need to get over there for on my next round before we can start punching this thing in the face because we really need to start getting this down before these tokens start flipping up and we got to mitigate all the little aliens in the crowd so we got to move and once we maneuver and, and we end up next to a alien we can pull them off the board so it's like that little push and pull aspect is like i'm really good at hitting but we really need to concentrate on this or else we're going to lose the game i really really do enjoy this one a lot and this one's hard i enjoy both of these games i think they're both phenomenal uh neither one really changed the face because you're just basically playing a longer unmatched with more bad guys on the table mm -hmm. uh, with little because uh, each minions uh, have their or each monster has their own set of minions that get drawn into which have their own special abilities. Um, I think the replay value goes to uh, not replay value. Uh, no, because that replay value is like the time and scaling will. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, replay value goes to unmatched tells the maze, even though the length of time is better in Apiary. Mm -hmm. Just so the fact that you can pull in all the stuff that came before it and yep. everything that's coming Expansions, after it into it. Yeah. Sure. Um, but for me, I think it should move on. But let's just go through the list real quick. I mean, I, I'm I'm fine with moving on unmatched personally. Okay. Um, just for the sake of our, like, they both rank about a seven for me. Uh, ease of play, like, I think, is Apiary. No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I think okay. he's a play. Art and production um, is APRE. <laughs> yes, I will give it that. Yeah. Art and production is APRE. Sure. All right, so, yeah, uh, for the sake of argument, we'll just say our yeah. match moves on. Okay. And it will be going up against Earth. Earth. All right. Our next round, we have World Wonders from Arcane Wonders versus Disney Lorcana. The collectible trading card game. Yeah, this is this one's going to be interesting because both of these were really really fun. Right. But I think I like one more than the other. I definitely do. <laughs> and I'll be. Got, uh, you get Disney Lorcana. All right, Disney Lorcana. So yeah, this is um, Robin's Burger Robin's Burgers answer to collectible card games. Mm -hmm. This is the first collectible card game they've ever published, and they have man a big. Big IP. They have Disney. And not just a specific Disney movie. They have Disney. Disney. <laughs> they have all of it. And the idea of this is quite simple. This is all of the characters in some alternate universe, I think called like the Floodborne or something like that. Well, I think we're animators in this one too. Yeah, we're probably animators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and they're going and they're using their inks to actually um, battle each other because in this game. Or go on adventures. One or two. go on adventures, yep. Yeah. Uh, your goal is to be the first to a certain number of lore points, mm -hmm. and the way you do that is by sending out your characters to go on quests. And what it it is technically a head-to-head -head battle game, but what does this differently? If you're familiar with stuff like Magic: The Gathering, it's not the first one to beat down the other opponent, opponent yeah. or manipulate them. It's the first one to a certain number of points. And so, even though there is that technical combat uh, against each other, that's just to help mitigate them from gaining Need enough too points. much on yeah yeah or getting too far ahead. That's to help slow them down while you have a chance to catch back up, um, which is a cool system. What what I like about this that does that other things, other collectible card games of the type don't do, mm -hmm. is that the every single one of them uses a certain number of resources to do certain things. Like so, in Magic: The Gathering, it's your mana, it's your lands, and whatnot. So instead of just having separate cards for those, no, most of your cards can act as ink. So you just show that it's an ink, put it face down. There is your now your resource mm -hmm. to pay for other cards. I've always liked discarding cards to pay for other cards yeah. because you have all good cards. Yeah. So that's a tricky choice always yeah, right there. Yeah, exactly. But when you have those out and you bring out your good cards and you're going on quests and you're doing all this stuff, when you use them to either attack the opponents or I forget what the term is, but it's it's less offensive than that, but it's attacking the opponents. Challenge. Or, challenge, yeah. Instead of challenging the characters, um, uh, if you go on quests, then you exhaust them by turning them sideways. Here's the thing, that makes them then vulnerable. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, if they haven't challenged somebody else or gone on a quest, and they're just sitting upright in front of you, you can't challenge them. You can't. Oh, and can't also they get weakened them. too. So if you challenge, they get to do a hit back, and then so you're going to lose some of your shield. Right. Exactly. And unlike magic, you don't heal immediately right after, mm -hmm. right? You you have what's called sticky damage in a lot of games. Uh, like Keyforge did this. Mm -hmm. The damage is permanent. You know, you hurt him. That's what you did. Yeah. So now, if they get to a certain number of pain threshold, or hurt threshold, whatever they call it, uh, then that character is discarded, 
and that's just how it is yeah you know that's what you have to deal with so it ramps up really well it plays quick so far um the collectability is is not part of our debate but yeah. um just the fact that you and it's even collectible you just, it's more expandable than yeah and not, not only that if you just stick with like the starter boxes they're already going to do yeah. the third generation in february they just yeah. dropped the second generation in december so yeah. and so now it's hitting hard they're supporting it they're doing a good mm -hmm. a good thing with you it. can find it in stores lately you can find it in stores lately that's right um they, they had a little bit of hiccup on their website from but again this has nothing to do with the debate yeah i just think it's a better game <laughs> personally i had a lot more fun with this it scratched the itch that i've that i've always enjoyed with collectible card games mm -hmm. and it did it with a fairly family friendly and the uh, thing about way. it too it what really made it for you yeah it's not a magic butt <laughs> it's not well i mean yeah it it's, does it's things not, different it does enough different where i'm like i could have this and magic both in my collection yeah and enjoy both independently well, it's funny. I finally got a magic set coming in here soon. I, I pre-ordered the commander decks for Fallout. You're gonna yep. have to teach me how to play it again. I haven't played in years. Easy, easy. I'll teach you. I played it for years. All right. So the one I'm gonna talk about here, and I'm just gonna make it brief because we know which one's gonna move on, uh, is World Wonders. I did like this game a lot. I did like what it was doing. I love the fact that you're just building. You're you're drafting different stuff. Uh, and they're staying gone until like the next round because that's the timer. The only things that are staying out there are the World Wonders, and you have to meet certain criteria to build mm -hmm. a World Wonder. Anything you take and pay for, uh, you have to immediately build on your map, and you have to follow the rules how it builds. So you can build a building that's the same type next to a building, or it has to be next to a road. You have to build a wonder by whatever is telling you, whether it's on land, it's got to be on a certain point of land. And then it's also telling you it's got to be by this type of building and this type of road or a bridge or it's got to be adjacent to water. And I love the little different things how it's on there. But it, it's one of those multiplayer solitaire games. The mm -hmm. only really player interaction is someone took the thing that you needed to pick up. Mm -hmm. And so and it just determines. I was like, OK, you did that. Well, I got to make sure I'm going to go first in the next round this way. And I love the fact that you're basically paying for who's going to go first. I did like the like the tiebreaker aspect of it where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, who's got the lowest population? All right, they're going to go first. Okay, they're tied. All right, who has more World Wonders on their board? Okay, they're still the same. They're still tied in that aspect. Okay, now the, the turn order doesn't move. But I do like there's like a lot of checking points this way. Someone's not getting screwed and being forced to sit on way in the back because they're not moving like the population up fast enough. or. Gotcha. Uh, I do like that aspect of it. The game is fine. It's really, really fun. I do enjoy it a lot. I'm glad I own it. Um, I'm looking forward to like the expansions, just more stuff of it, because it, it's it's a fun game. It just doesn't really do anything different, per se. It's basically putting stuff on your map and drafting stuff by paying for it. I do like the coin mechanism aspect of it, where it's like you spend your seven coins. So if you want to pick up a World Runner and you spend all your coins, it's like, and then, but you're out of that round once all those coins are spent. So it's like that little push and pull, that push your luck aspect of like, I know we're both working on it. Do I want to, you know, uh, blow all my coins here to get that wonder? But now I'm out of the round, mm. but it's a good amount of points. And then I get to move up on my tracks over here, which is good because you're going to, at the end of the game, you're going to score your lowest track wherever yep. it's at. So it's kind of like that little push your luck is like, do I blow the wand now and just take the wonder that I want? Or do I want to see if he's going to, you know, set or he's going to blow his wand and take that wonder? Oh, well, at oh, least well. I can set up myself for something else. Yep. I do like what it is, but I think Disney or Wakanda is just a better game. I agree. Moves on. Well, that made that easy. All right. So let's talk about the four games that were eliminated from this, uh, from this argument that was Apiary, 
World Wonders, Astronites, and Tiny Epic, Tiny Epic Vikings. Vikings. How many votes, or what right. percentage of votes did our viewers vote for those? Apiary is at four, uh, 15%. Uh, World Wonders is sitting at 3%. Uh, what was the other one? Astronites. Astronites. Uh, was at 3%. <laughs> and Tiny Epic Vikings was 1%. Yep. Cool. All right. So our, going into our semifinals round, we have Earth versus Unmatched Tales to Amaze. This one hurts you. A lot. <laughs> and I'll be starting us off. And you'll get Earth. I mean, uh, th honestly, like, I I understand why you rate both of these a 10, and, I'm, and I don't mean by any of this to be argumentative at all. It yeah, is a debate. But no, I genuinely mean this. Earth is fundamentally just a better game, by far, um, because of the simple fact that there is no... Uh, there is no specific advantage that some player could have over somebody else if they don't play their cards right. There is enough room for adaptability during the game. Mm -hmm. There's enough engine building that's satisfying. And at first, even though there is a little learning curve because of how difficult the game looks and the fact that how many cards there are and how they all work uniquely, that once you understand the core symbols and, and what they do as far as getting cards to either compost from your hand or the deck whether it's to draw growth tokens, whether it's to um, get growth cube or sprout, uh, sprout cubes, mm -hmm. whether it's to plant or draw cards, all of those different combinations work really well. When I teach this game, I tell them quite simply, the, the best things to keep in mind is that there, first off, there's no wrong move. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, dirt is just currency. Yep. And thirdly, every wood piece that you put on your on your cards are worth a point. Generally speaking, that's all they are. Yeah. Once people understand those three core concepts, they're like, okay, now that gives me a, a simple understanding. It's like, then as they're playing and they get more comfortable, they're like, oh, now I see why you would want to do this. Mm -hmm. Why I'd want to get rid of a sprout token to get five dirt. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then that's <clears> when <throat> halfway through the game, when everyone's playing, they're like, okay, is this how this works? Yes. Yeah. Is this how this works? Yes. <laughs> oh, is this yeah. how this works? Yes. Yeah. You know, I love that teaching part of it, and it works really well. The learning curve, it, it's more intimidating than the learning curve gets because there's a point halfway through the game where it just clicks, and you're like, got it, I know what I'm doing, and it's not too late that you can't put up a good fight. Yeah. I think this game is a brilliant design. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with everything you said. I have to argue Tales of Maze. I, I do love this game a lot. Mm -hmm. But Unmatched was already a great game system, and all they did was add a co-op system to it that does really, really good, but it also sure. bogs it down a little bit it with does. the time constraint, especially if you're playing with like a bigger group. Right. Unmatched uh, plays really, really good as a two-player game. plays okay as a four-player game in teams. I do like the free-for-all that you were getting in the three-player cycle, mm -hmm. where it's like you could just... Uh, the, the one rule about the free-for-all is that you can uh, the first player cannot attack the last player. Yeah. But other than that, not have, have at it. I agree with you. Everything you said about Earth. Let's. We're gonna. We're again. We're trying to make this quick. Uh, I love Tilt the Maze. I think it's a phenomenal game. I love what it's doing. I love the fact that it. The, honestly, I think the big one it wins is replay value because again, you can just draw back to whatever came out. You can sure. have the Mothman face the T Rex from mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. That's amazing. That's fun. That's sure. Cool. But Earth fundamentally is just a much better game. Yeah. If we want to do a very quick breakdown, ease of play. I think that goes to Earth. Yeah. Replay value, I think it's honestly a wash just because of how much variability in the setup there is. Yep. But I, I will give it to Unmatched, though, just in case. Um, art and production, Earth. Earth. Um, meaningful choice, Earth. Earth. 
And then finally... Uh, game, game Immersion, version. I think that is Tales to Amaze, just because you can get into your deck. Sure, yeah. Especially you when you're, your you're playing like the Marvel characters, Bullseye, if you're playing Bullseye sure. in one of these maps, you really feel like Bullseye because you only have to be five spaces away from something to hit it. Sure. So. Yeah. Cool. All right, so that means Earth moves on mm -hmm. fairly amicably. All right, so the next round, next of our semifinals, is Star Wars The Deck Building Game versus Disney Lorcana. Ooh, Ooh, two Disney licenses, two card games. Which two different one companies. Two different companies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll find out how well it goes. Robinsberger right. versus Fantasy Flight. That's true. Yeah, both <laughs> in the realm of collectibles, yeah. right? Even though this... Star Wars deck building game. Which is, is interesting because uh, uh, Star Wars is coming out with a deck, or not a deck building, a collectible, a, a collectible game. game. Alright, flip the coin. Ah, sorry. There we go. To me, and I get Star Wars the deck building game. Honestly, as much as I love Star Wars the deck building game, I don't think it's going to move on past this point. It does a lot of good things. But as a two-player head-to-head game, mm -hmm. it, it, it can't really hold water to what Disney Lorcana is doing. I mean, which is a two-player head-to-head game. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Out of, yeah. out of the two, right. I think one does what it needs to do a lot better. And don't get me wrong, I love it. But after a while, you once you play, the, unless they give more like expansions to it, sure. after a while, you're going to learn how to play the, the different systems. With Disney Lorcana, with the different stuff, you can play your deck. But you're like, okay, I don't like the way this card works. You can add more cards into that deck. Yeah. However, just like how a CCG would work based on what you pulled from the blister packs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of expandability just in your deck alone. And then once you get really familiar how that deck works and you keep playing it and you start doing like tournaments and stuff like that, you're going to be more successful how you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Star Wars deck building is just once you learn your how you're going to play it, it's really cool how it works. You do get into that game immersion because you do feel like, hey, this is Darth Vader. This is what he's doing. I'm playing the dark side. All right. Load this up. Power, power, power. Destroy as much of the base as I can as quick as I can. That, and that's the aspect of this one when you're playing on the dark side. You really want to hit them hard and fast because if they start growing their deck uh, on the light side and getting the resources that they need to get and they start playing it, and then everything starts comboing off each other. I can do this with this with this because this and this and this and this, and then they're going to start hitting you. Uh, so, like, the the Empire plays really fast at the very beginning of the game, but they start to slow down because their cards are so powerful. Uh, but because they're so powerful, they get more expensive to buy out of the, 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 the row. And so it does really well, but it doesn't do too, too much different than other deck-building games that you've played, other than the fact that it gives you that asymmetrical feel. Yeah. As much as I like it, I think Disney Lorcana moves on. All right. I think we should still break it down, because okay. I'll argue for Lorcana. Um, you said earlier, you said, and that's why I hesitated, because you said, oh, it's different. It's not a magic button. I'm like, no, but it is. <laughs> like, just, but it does enough different where they can coexist. Um Although, like, what, what Lorcana does differently for deck build, or for trading card games, pre-constructed decks, Star Wars did just as much different for deck building. That's mm -hmm. why it's kind of a toss-up for me, uh, because Disney Lorcana, as much fun as I have with it, again, could I choose it over other deck building, or, uh, sorry, pre-constructed games uh, that are on the market? Probably, maybe, but I still will come back to Magic. Whereas Star Wars deck building game, although I love stuff but, like Dominion, but here's the thing could about I like, replace like something coming like Star back Realms? to Magic? But it, it, is it because 
Magic is just an inherently better game, or is it because the fact that you were tied to Magic for so long? It, it's probably both, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'm sure part of it is the nostalgia, the yeah. rose-tinted glasses. But the other part is, it's like, just because of how much Magic already has going for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the same with, like, Star Realms. There's a lot going on in Star Realms and Hero Realms. Does Star Wars deck-building game do enough different? So let's break it down. Real quick, um, ease of play. I think that personally goes to Star Wars the deck building game. Yeah, because deck it's building very, is yeah. just simpler. Replay value already is Lord Kana. Oh yeah, just because uh, they're already what into their second set. They're coming out yep. with the third set. We know there's going to be more than that. They're Robinsberger's really pushing to keep yep. this game going. Absolutely. Um, game immersion. I feel like that's Star Wars. That's Star Wars. Game. Yeah. Okay. Um, art and production, though, is Disney Lord Kana. Yeah. Because they're both card games, but the art... Oh, oh the goodness. art is so much better in Lord Kana. So much better. So much better. So it comes down to meaningful choice. It's Lord Kana, in all honesty, because you you're trying to... strategic? Yeah, because you're, you're trying to be smart at how you get your move up on the, the questing, because yeah. you know you got that big card over there, or I'm saving cards in my hand, because I know you got their, your big Simba out there who's been you know attacking everything that I have out there. Right. All right. Well, I have Maleficent Fire, so I could just destroy that card yep. immediately, and I've been I, it ready to go. Just I to had been up. sitting on it the entire time. I was, it was like one of the first mm-hmm. cards I drew, and I'm like, I'm going to keep this in my hand because this could come in handy. It will. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. And then the what do you pitch to to play other stuff? That, yeah. That little yeah, and, and then choice, like right? where you take. Okay, I got to take this out. Yeah, it's a really powerful card. But in all honesty, it's going to take me forever to get out there. Where yes. if I could put it as an inkwell right now, I can get mm-hmm. this card out there. And maybe I can start, you know, building up my point system that way too. Absolutely. Yep. I, I mean, I work. beat you with Pongo from the 101 Dalmatians because you couldn't touch him. Well, the one time you got an elusive out there, I, that's when I threw my fiend fire. <laughs> yeah, basically, yep. you, you popped him. Yeah. So, and there, there goes the memorable moment. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. I 100% agree. All right, Lorcana moves on. Yep. So, Daniel, tell us, what were the votes for the two games that were eliminated, Star Wars Deck Building Game and uh, Unmatched Tales to Amaze? We're going to do this a little love real quick here, and we'll find out right now. So, uh, Star Wars the Deck Building was at 9% of the vote, mm-hmm. and Unmatched Tales to the Maze was 6% of the vote. So, there there is some love for these games, and we're sitting at, what, 20, 30 votes now? 37, 37 votes. 37 votes, yep. All right, cool. So our last one, uh, again, we take our bias out of this last mm-hmm. one. We break it down comp- uh, piece by piece to which one's going to move on. That is Earth versus Disney Lorcana. Is there any that immediately stick out to you? I I think you and I both agree on one of them. For Art sure. and production? Art and production. Lorcana? Earth. <laughs> Disney Lorcana. Oh, no. The art on Earth. <laughs> Sir. I love. Ooh, okay, I prefer. I prefer more hand drawn art than screen. And I prefer photo. <laughs> See. <laughs> so okay. So okay. Let's art take aside. the art out of it. Pieces Piece of components. components. That's better on Earth. It is better on Earth because this comes with like little, little cheap punch. punch out yeah. tokens. They're functionally fine, but the graphic design in it. Mm, my the... my question with the, my issue with the graphic design in Earth is it's not the best colorblind friendly right. out of all the games. They they and I think I contribute that to printing error. <laughs> like and and because I spoke to Connor McGooey um, about that during when he demoed that for us mm-hmm. and and when I told him I was colorblind he was like so what what are you having trouble with and he was really engaged. With talking to me about it, which I appreciate. No, no, and it's he fine. said that in the second edition, which is the ones that we have. Uh, not um, the one I have. Mine's okay. the Kickstarter edition. Oh, so then mine, yeah, yeah, mine, the second edition. I think mine's the second edition. Um, 
he he very much pointed out he was like look the the future editions we are working we he had little designs in yeah, the back remember, of the action i was having trouble right. with like the black one and the green yes. ones because that's my edition mm-hmm. i have yep. the kickstarter exactly and there are ones where the colors are just off and then, enough yeah there's not there's designs on them but you right. can barely see them when you're sitting like at a table distance you, you have sure. to get to, like up close to see what the design is on those cards right but the iconography is solid but so is it's it in very Arcana. very reference although i do have one counter counterpoint and uh mutual friend jim pointed it out on the compost cards mm-hmm. where it has cards and then it has two arrows facing the other other way which normally mean recycle mm-hmm. or re-roll or redraw he was like how does this mean compost what does that mean he was like Everyone knows. So you agree went, with me? Graphic design is better than Larkana. <laughs> no, I just love that the fact that he pointed that out. He he went on a rant like for five minutes. He was like, "Look," he was like, "I wish they had a feedback thing because that is like the universal symbol for recycle. That mm-hmm. tells me I'm either drawing and discarding or something to that effect, not putting something into a different deck." That symbol made no sense to, to him, and he really had a hard time grasping. So I will give you that. Now that I remember that story. <laughs> so, art production, art production is Lorcana. Okay. All right. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Ease of play. Now, neither of them are fundamentally simple. Um, uh, I for think me, dis- ease of play is... Um, Lorcana? Uh, no, it's uh, Earth. Earth? I, well, I think likelihood to get to the table is... Lorcana. Lorcana, yeah. right? Um, understanding to teach, the familiarity is really, like, it is a similar game to Magic, and a lot of people know Magic already. Yeah, but a lot of people know, uh, engine building, uh, as well. Oh, not like Magic, though. Magic's been yeah, around for 25, 30 years now. I know how to play Larkana more than I know how to play Magic. Sure. So there's, there yeah. was no simplicity but for that, me. But there's the translation that's really simple. Yeah, if you're pulling Magic players over, but someone who doesn't, yeah. like... For what we're talking about, people who are in the gaming hobby, not right. everybody has played Magic. Right, but not a lot of people have played engine builders that are coming from a non-game system. True, I saying. mean, but like, you got... Like, there's nothing that they can pull off of. Like, Monopoly doesn't do engine building. But uh, if they play, like, any basic of... worker uh, worker placement, that's right. a bit of an engine building. That's why it's not... bag building. That's why they're not familiar. I guess we're going to call this one a wash again. Let's call it a wash. <laughs> um, but easy to learn, understand, or teach. I would give that part to Earth. Because Which means one would be Disney Lorcana, two yeah, would be so yeah, it's, so it's, it's a wash. Okay, cool. Replay value. Simple enough. That's Lorcana. <laughs> that's Lorcana. Although the timing and the scaling is really no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, although I will give Earth credit though, the simultaneous play does really benefit that though. Meaningful choice. I think that one's Earth. Earth. As much Absolutely. as Lorcana is good, you're it's the same problem There's with no like any to yeah, the card draw. Yeah, just to the card draw. Yeah. Whereas Earth is like. Okay, you did that action, I'm going to trigger this, 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 and this, and now my turn, I'm going to do this, well, you guys can trigger all that, but because of all the resources I triggered on other people's returns, I can use it what I need to do. Yep. Alright, so Meaningful Choice is Earth. Earth, which means we have, uh, Earth needs to win Game Immersion. I mean, I think it does. Uh, Is the game fun to lose? Both are really fun. Both are fun to lose. Um... I mean, do, do you feel like you're playing Disney characters in Lorcana? Not really, but I do, like, the player interaction I like more in Earth, because yeah. it's like, okay, what did you do? Okay, now I can trigger all these, I can do this ability, boom, boom, well, boom. There's yeah, a little I mean, bit, the... because it's in the game, built into the game for the player interaction, because right. you want to see what someone else is doing, this is the resources you're going to get, and then you can trigger all your cards. Lorcana, it's more along the lines, like... I'm going to do this, I'm going to quest, I'm going to go up here, and, uh, you know, I'm going to use this big character to challenge your quest over there. doesn't say elusive on there, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. 
I mean, I I don't well memorable moments I want to give to Earth, but uh, I agree with player that. interaction. I don't think I think that has to go to Lorcana because yeah, the back and forth, like the fact that. that you said, oh, like I beat you with Ponyo because he's so elusive. Pongo, like, yeah. Pongo, yeah. Um, he's so elusive. It made more sense. Whereas in Earth, I don't feel like I'm terraforming anything. I don't feel like I'm <laughs> well, the, planting the, these plants. The, the thing is, you're not terraforming anything in Earth. You're just building a biodiverse island. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, no, I get you with that it's one. It's very loose on that. Both part. are really good fun to lose. So this is another wash. Uh, yeah. Which means Lorcana wins. Yep. Based on two to one. <laughs> yeah. Disney Lorcana, the 2023 winner. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I mean, and you and I both went into this thinking really Earth was Earth. Yeah. But again, that's why we take our bias out of it. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the only fair way to do it. And no, it came out pretty well. I did really enjoy this one. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the final vote here for our last one, which was Earth, which I think Lorcana would have won even if it was a tiebreaker. Well, it looks like we're getting more votes. Earth it was at 11%. Earth would have won the tiebreaker. Yeah, or Lorcana was at 6%. So Earth was, for a while there, was at low. I guess people are voting on it now. So yeah. <laughs> Right, it, it goes Okay, so lower. let's talk about our final votes now that we're, we're going to be done. The first one, Tiny Epic Vikings, still 3% of the vote, though. Uh, Astro Knights is now sitting at 3% of the votes as well. Uh, on, uh, no, Apiary, uh, which was, uh, eliminated, uh, that is sitting at 15% of the vote. That's getting a lot of love. Uh, World Wonders, 3% of the vote. Uh, Unmatched was at, down here somewhere, right? Yeah, there it is. 6% of the vote. And Star Wars Deck Builder... Uh, that is at 7% of the vote. And finally, like we said, Earth at 11% of the vote. So there was some love for 2023 yep. games. And there's also some more add-ons real quick that people reference. Uh, real, very, very quickly, Casey added Expeditions. Uh, uh, Jay, add, or, yeah, Jay added Distilled. Um, Jeff added Mercurial. And then Luke is saying uh, Flamecraft was released in 2023. BGG actually has it in 2022. We just looked at it. <laughs> yeah, we just looked at it. It's fine, but you know. Luke, oh, also we didn't mention it on the top of the list. Uh, Return of the Dark Tower was our winner from 2022. Yes. Um, I still think it would have won 2022. Yeah, I do too. All right, so I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you ever want to contact us directly, whether that's to email us uh, or list up for future episodes, just to say hello or enter in future possible contests, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. All video re-uploads are found on YouTube under youtube.com slash at Everyday Board Games Podcast. If you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. If you want to join us on a live episode where you can voice your opinion to us directly or straight out, flat out disagree with us, follow us on twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames so you can get notified when we start streaming live. And all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, Podbean, and officially since 2023, Apple. And we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.